Good afternoon, everyone. This is Charlie Pacello. I'm your host here on the council. And uh, boy, it's good to be back with you all on this Friday here, November 20th. Um, just a beautiful day out here in Colorado. It's, uh, you know, a lot of things have been going on. And so it's uh, been a been a few weeks that have been very trying for a lot of us and just trying to make sense of what's happening. And I, I know that uh, for me, uh, and a lot of the people that I know, this has been a very heavy time for us. Um, and as we're making these transitions from um, one one political party to another political party, and uh, and the sense that there's just this this heaviness, you know, don't you feel fatigued and exhausted and ready to just kind of. Uh, wish it was just let's get 2020 over. Let's just get 2020 over, be done with it, and move on to the next next decade. And I know that uh, a lot of people feel that way, and uh, it's just been trying. We've had to go through a whole lot this year, and uh, and it just seems that there's always a new surprise, and it feels like uh, it's not going to end. And we're we're going into what I call battle fatigue. And it's a very common thing when you're going through a major crisis or a major um, battle, and it just seems like there's no end to it. It's just going to keep on going. And it's a term that was coined during World War II uh, because the soldiers who were fighting during that war felt fatigue uh, for what was going on. It was another uh, name for for trauma, for PTSD, because uh, they didn't have PTSD labeled like we do today uh, and understand it in its uh, in its forms, how it affects us physically and emotionally and mentally and, and uh, spiritually. They didn't have those terms, so they had that idea of being fatigued. And it, and it just seems we can't be able to navigate in times like this because we don't know who's telling us the truth. We don't know who's, who's being honest with us. We don't know who's being sincere with us. We, we have become so indoctrinated by the culture of lies that surround us that we don't even, we can't even recognize when somebody's speaking the truth anymore. And that's really troubling, you know. And, and I find that uh, we have to really start getting into an understanding in ourselves of um, – what we really want in life. Do we want to live a, uh, have a society where we're at each other's throats and uh, condemning each other and looking at each other as, as evil, as, as, uh, as an opposition, that there's something wrong with them? Because if we do, we're going to have a problem. You know, there's uh, in the election, uh, 50% of the people voted for Biden, 47% of the people voted for Trump. One out of every two people thinks differently than you, thinks differently than me. And we can't continue to have this idea that our way is the only way. And otherwise, we're going to – our divisions and our separation is going to be even more calcified. We're going, to, we're going to just pull ourselves apart. And we're digging into the trenches here and instead – what we need to do is start to understand what we can do to be better people and to, to start listening to each other, to start coming together. And that people on the left and people on the right need to start listening. Stop, stop condemning each other. Stop uh, accusing each other of things that uh, they're not doing and, and start uh, looking 
for ways where we can meet together in the middle. And I think that's what you're seeing in the, in, in the, in the votes as well is that people don't want extraordinary change. What they want is harmony and balance again. Uh, they want us to all get along. We, want us to, we all want to see uh, America being at its best, not at its worst. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a big believer in honoring our democratic traditions. And so uh, we need to be able to validate the votes and, 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 and ensure that our dem democracy stays intact. And if we can't adhere, we can't believe what has been said to us on, 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 on who won the election, uh, we're in trouble. And so unless there is absolutely credible, verifiable evidence that is substantiated, uh, we need to, to accept what the results are. And that's just the truth because we have to find a way to come together. And because uh, last two, you know, four years ago, we, the, the results were told to be we were to accept those results. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but now all of a sudden there's voter fraud. Okay, we've got to, we can't be, we can't be doing that. We've got to be able to, to have dignity and grace and character. It matters. It just matters. And I have friends on both sides of the aisle, and so I, I, I want to try to under, get, help us to go into a deeper understanding. And because I, I hear what somebody's saying on one side of the, uh, the aisle, and I hear what somebody else is saying on the other side of the aisle, and I keep thinking, you guys are, you guys both think you're right. And you guys both think your, uh, your way is the only way. And you both think that the other side is evil and is no good and, 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 is, and is vile and wretched. And it seems like we're, we're surrounded by the darkness. It seems like we're surrounded by on, on all sides where the darkness is, is, is in, enveloping us, encroaching upon us, uh, taking over. And I, I, I just think about like, you know, for instance, this, this – crazy QAnon conspiracy theory. I mean, that this idea that there are these, uh, this cabal of, uh, you know, liberal elitists, democratic elitists that are in Hollywood elitists that are taking babies and uh, killing them and drinking their blood. And all. I mean, this is, it's horrible. And there's this cross section that's happening as well with people in on the left buying into this stuff. In the yoga communities, in the, uh, the, the spiritual communities that they buy into because our minds aren't geared towards critical thinking. You don't think about it. You just buy what anybody else says to you. Nobody thinks for themselves. I mean, you just allow other people to infiltrate and to use these tools to take control of your mind or, you, or they have an agenda. You've got to start questioning, when, why, why does this person want me to believe this? What's in it for them? Because none of these people who buy into this conspiracy theories have ever been involved with people who are actually trying to help the, the, uh, the child sex trafficking thing, which is, which is a real thing. And how do I know that? Because I worked for an agency where I was trying to help eradicate the child sex slave trade going on in Southeast Asia. I did that in 2005, 2006. I actually worked for someone trying to do something about it. While all this, 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 this crazy conspiracy stuff, they haven't done one thing. All they do is creating fear. All they do is creating separation. All they're creating is, is problems in people's minds, poisoning them. 
giving you a psychic virus. Psychic viruses are real, just as real as this virus that is uh, uh, overwhelming our country right now. Psychic viruses, they try to recruit your will to own it. And they will find any way to be able to dig into it. And if you're not thinking for yourself, if you're not grounded in your soul, and you're not grounded in the truth, and you're not really trying to be vigilant for the truth as best as you can, and being humble to accept and recognize, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I know that. And sometimes I'm going to be wrong. Sometimes I'm going to be wrong. Sometimes I'm going to make a mistake. I understand that. You know what? And, and, and having the humility to start thinking those ways. Humbleness is a virtue. Humbleness is recognizing I'm human. I'm not otherworldly, that I can see and peer into everything. I don't have that luxury. I gotta ha- I've got I've to be humble enough to recognize that when I do make a mistake, I own up to it so that I don't perpetuate it. Because the mistakes that we make, if we don't own up to it, we perpetuate them. They increase. They increase. People don't get that when we, when we, when we can accept that when we make mistakes, that repentance is a way for us to, is a pathway for our own enlightenment. When we repent, when we recognize, gosh, you know what? I was wrong. I made a mistake. I screwed up. Or I, I, you know what, I, I thought I was, for a long time, I thought this was the truth, and then I found out it wasn't the truth, and my God, you know, I, gotta, I got some work to do. But it shows your humanity. It shows your care. It shows your willingness to grow and to change and, and, and modify your thinking and perceptions and beliefs. You know, we've got to really look at what... Uh, what, why we're so drawn to the darkness? Because there's a lot of darkness around us, everywhere. That the darkness hides in the light. You can't see it. <laughs> and it'll, it, it will use the, the, the forces, the, the, the power of the light against you. It will use love against you. How many of you have ever been a power play with somebody? And, and you're caught up in, the, in the, using love as a weapon with each other. How many? I have. <laughs> many times. And if we don't acknowledge it and don't see it for what it, it truly is, and, and what it, we're, we're in trouble. All right? And, and you, we, we can't avoid it anymore. If we continue to avoid it, we're, we're, we're in trouble. Well, we've got to understand what it is, what draws us to that darkness. Why do we, why, why, you know, unwilling to acknowledge it? We've got to understand our own nature. And that's the reality that you're going to face, you know. In order to become more compassionate, kind, and loving, you've got to see the world as it is. Not as you wish it to be. Not the way you want it to be. We all want it to be more peaceful, but it isn't more peaceful right now. And then, and then you lie to yourself thinking, well, you know what, I, I'm going to see a different world and I'm going to try to change that world into what I want it to be, not what it is. But you've got to see it for what it is so that you can change it to something else. But you've got you to admit it. You've got you to see it. You've got to see the shadow that's lined against you, against all of us, and what you're capable of doing. We're challenged at this time in a great testing and that's why we're so tired and so exhausted and at each other's nerves. 
And uh, you can't run from you can't run from the dark. You can't run from evil. All right, you can't. Like your shadow, it's always with you, and 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 that's just the way we were designed. Okay, light and dark, the animal nature, spiritual nature, the rational and the irrational parts of us. And so you you know. We've got to be able to call things out and see it in ourselves. You can only heal within. You can heal yourself from these forces. You can heal the war within your own soul. And that's what you have to do. You have to understand it you because the outside world, there's only so much that you can control. And at that point, you've got to give it up to a higher power. You've got to give it up to God. You've got to give it up to the divine. But you can control what you can control. You've got to say, you know what, my, she thinks differently than I do, or he thinks differently than I do. That doesn't necessarily make them evil. But if they think they make me into something other than who I am, as just a person who has different ideas, by making me an other, that allows for the perpetuation of evil to manifest, because evil starts out as a lie. And we're going to get into that here in just a second. You know, we, we've all heard, uh, you know, uh, people saying things like, what leads, like a, what leads a man or a woman to violence? You know, what, why, why are we drawn to that? You know, warriors and people who are first responders and um, others, we want to protect. That's at the core of that is we want to protect against evil. That's it. That's, that's the core of it. We want to protect creation. We want to protect life. We want to protect the people around us. And we do these things out of a deep willingness to give ourselves over to something greater than, than ourselves. And one of the things that we do is we try to we see things as they are. You know, evil counts on you denying its existence. It counts on you to say, no, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Okay. Believe it. Go ahead. Yeah, when you look at nature, when you go to the higher levels, higher nature and laws, there doesn't seem to be that. There's just this sense of light and dark, shadow, nature, seasons. There's not, but when we're talking about human nature, all right, and the nature that, that there's the, there is. And, you know, the people that I have worked with and the things that I have heard and, and seen and witnessed, uh, yeah, it's going to count on you not to, to, to believe in it. We can do some horrible things to each other and have done it. And we've got to be careful and vigilant all the time to make sure that we are not accomplices or complicit in other people's evil agendas, agendas that are, that are harmful to others. You've got to understand that, uh, you know, Violence at its core grew out of our instinct to survive and to conquer physical death, our fear of it. And in my mind, when we understand violence, the only is to, we, when we ju to, ju to justify violence is to use it to protect our loved ones and to provide food. Okay? That's just that's law. That's nature. 
And it's instinctual to pursue that. But evil lurks in the sense that we, we, have, a, we have an ego, <laughs> all right? And our egos tend to get uh, caught up in these things. And it's, we're compelled on one aspect when our egos are um, our personality, our agendas. Our, the, it's the choices that we make in our life. And those choices that we make in our life are governed by a deeper quality and a deeper principle, which is called your conscience. Your conscience, that part in you that knows right from wrong, good from bad, good from evil. You just know it. You just, you just know. You can feel it. You just can't. And it's – we have an ego that was supposed to you know, help us to move through this world, and, and it got it – got, got damaged along the way, got distracted along the way. And uh, it's designed, our ego is designed to be in conflict. It's, it's part of the design between the irrational and the rational, between the primitive animal and that which we consider to be the divine in us. And confronted with this ponderous <clears throat> nature of the dark, human beings recoil back and try to protect themselves from it. Uh, or they merge with it. Evil originated in a lie. Okay? If you're connected to – if lies are the, uh, the way through in which we can do really terrible things. The lie being that all is suffering, all is helpless, all is death. There is no benevolent force watching over us. And when we break with this sacred unity of life or being in harmony and balance with all of life, um, our fears mingle with this – uh, the rage at the betrayal that we have felt and believe in. We're vulnerable and scared, and that's when the dark comes in. When we feel vulnerable, when we feel separated, when we feel scared, when we feel threatened. And it comes in. And it also grows out of an intolerable um, desire to dominate and vanity. Vanity. Egocentrism, narcissism, whatever you want to call it, all right? And at that point, when you become so overwhelmed by the power that you accumulate in the material world and you start to covet, covet power, covet people's possessions, covet people's uh, uh, power, authority, all that stuff, at the expense of human life and the expense of everybody else, um, you become... Uh, you tr no longer uh, following within the same dynamic, the same laws that everybody else falls, that follows. You now have moved into a different realm, or you think you do, and you create suffering. And then there's a thrill and an excitement to inflict abominations on people. Uh, it's almost like you become addicted to inflicting pain or to harming or creating rage in a culture and a society. Why? Because it draws attention to you. You're, it's, you're, you're, it, it brings attention. And that's what the ego craves. That's what somebody who has a tyrannical nature craves, craves the attention. And they will do everything that they can in order to get it. Even if it's doing good for the people. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about something else. And it's also important to remember that darkness feeds off of your negative emotions. Anger, hatred, hubris, lies, <laughs> uh, 
shame, guilt, it feeds off of that. Anger or rage is, uh, is evil's handmaiden. It's not controlled. It can be used sometimes in order to, to protect and defend, but it can be because it leads to something where you, you, you start to feel cold on the inside. You can no longer see your fellow citizens as being a part of you. They're the enemy. They're dark. And when a person's reached this point, you're, you're, you're about to, you've uh, made friends with horror and moral terror. And then you can get to a place where you can do some terrible things and not care. Not care at all. You have no sense. You've become desensitized. And uh, there are many of you, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, Apocalypse Now. And uh, it was a Vietnam War film. It starred Marlon Brando, uh, Martin Sheen, um, can't remember the other actors, but uh, there's a there's an amazing scene in that movie where Marlon Brando is talking about the horrors that he's seen and the ability for these people to be able to kill without feeling, without really knowing. You know, they just and they could just do it. And there were these perfect warriors and. It was like at that morning, he's talking about a diamond that hits the middle of his head. And he, and he says this really chilling thing. And he says, moral men who can kill without feeling, without passion, without judgment. For it is judgment that defeats us. He offers what, a glimpse of what evil is. What is that judgment? That's your conscience. That's what it is. That's your conscience. That's your conscience saying to you, you know what, I shouldn't be doing this. This makes me feel bad. This makes me feel ugly. You know, and it's, uh, and I, I want to uh, kind of, this just came in. And I, how do you know whether someone's trying to manipulate you or not? How do you know? How do you know when they're trying to make your spirit dance for them or not? How do you know they're trying to do the right thing by you? How do you know? Wisdom. If they are really trying to give you wisdom, it will never contaminate you. It will never poison your mind. It will never make you sick. It will never make you hate. It will never make you angry. Well, it might make you uh, disappointed or angry in the sense that I can't believe I was thinking this way for so long. But it's, it won't contaminate you. It never will. It's not in its nature. Wisdom is to enlighten, to inspire, to, to give you uh, uh, to knowledge, enlightenment. But not to corrupt, not to, to, not to destroy. So what is evil? All right, we're, we're having this uh, little fireside chat. So I, I kind of thought, you know, as we began this new season here in, uh, on the council, to be able to, to have these uh, discussions and conversations uh, about some of the things that we need to have 
conversations about. And uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt used to have these fireside chats and, and to be able to talk about things. And he was a way to inspire people during, during their crises. Uh, you know, our crisis is this pandemic. Uh, their crisis was depression and World War II. Um, and there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hatred out there. There's a lot of separation. There's a lot of uh, misinformation, deception, lies. And it's coming on us all, all around, all around. And we've got to understand what is that nature? What is, what is the nature of it look like? You know, and, and this is my attempt to help to try to help understand what it, how people fall for these things and, and what we need to understand about the nature of evil. Because when we deny the darkness in, uh, within ourselves, uh, we deceive ourselves because we are capable of it. We are capable of doing harm to others. And as a consequence of our own self-deception, we project our errors out onto the world, on other people, on other persons, on other institutions, on governments, and sometimes whole races of people. And by placing evil outside of us, we conveniently avoid the guilt of our misguided judgments, maintain placing uh, a false image, a self-image of protection, and we remain ignorant of the harm, pain, misery, suffering, and sorrow we might inflict on others. And it is precisely our ability to think which enables us to identify with the injury caused to others. And it activates our capacity to feel their suffering. There's a movie called Hannah Arendt. Uh, it's a, a beautiful well, movie about uh, Hannah Arendt, who was investigating after World War II the, uh, the, the trials, the Nuremberg trials of the Nazis. And there's a, uh, there's a scene in the movie where the lead uh, character, Hannah Arendt, is extolling her audience to think, to critically think. And it's a fundamental human quality. It's, it's one of the things that makes us divine, is our ability to think for ourselves. And she says, when we surrender this single defining human quality, we can't make moral judgments, which then creates the possibility to do evil deeds, end quote. And so what we learn is that from this movie and, and, and from is the degeneration into evil consists in losing our ability to think for ourselves, followed by a slow massacre of our conscience by the incremental acts of wrongdoing we engage in, which harms our souls. And eventually the corruption destroys all the good that's within us and our capacity to feel. We can't even feel anymore. And the only way we can feel is when people are angry at us. Because then we can, we can feel something. And, then, and in this consistency of cruel, destructive, destructive behaviors toward others, and we become hollow. We become empty. We, come, we become cold. And basically, we're soulless. We've, we've lost contact with our soul. 
Now, a sin. What is a sin? Okay, a sin is, uh, in, is an archery term. It means you missed the mark. And for a long time there, I thought, uh, you know, uh, we didn't need to talk about sin anymore. And I, I'm not sure we do. I, I think we threw the baby out with the bathwater with that. Um, it's sin, and not in the sense that you're going to go to hell or anything like that, but we need to have something that helps us to serve as a, as a barometer, as a metronome or something for our, our, the guidance of our spirit, the guidance of our soul. And I think uh, we need to bring that vocabulary back into it, – it, it's not a Catholic thing. It, some people think, well, it was, just, it was just the Catholics that had it. They're the only ones that ever used the word sin. No, not true. Greeks talked about it way before them. If you read any of their uh, plays – uh, from Aeschylus or Euripides or uh, uh, Sophocles, there's sin right there. That was at least 500 years before Jesus. Buddha talked about it 2,500 years ago. He was 500 years before. So it was well before that. So we, we need to bring that kind of understanding back into how we navigate our, our, our souls so that we know when we made a mistake, we can correct it. If we made a sin, we can correct it. We can atone. And in a healthy individual whose conscience is the guide, the human being recognizes that error, recognizes that, where, where, where it is necessary to course correct, and then acquires, makes those purposes to, to, to acquire healthier character traits to align with the best qualities that you have within you. But a person who's aligned himself with with evil, okay, loses the ability to make that vital connection. Their conscience is not their guide. And he or she has surrendered it to an idea, a belief, an institution, a dictator, a corporation, uh, a law, a corrupt law. Uh, and now that serves, instead of you deciding, that serves as the guiding principle of what is right and what is wrong. And if our conscience is no longer esteemed as our divine inheritance to choose how to function and operate in this world, then we potentially set ourselves up to be used and abused by the perpetrators and victims of evil. And it can happen as a consequence of our own ignorance and fear and by those soulless entities, institutions, governments, etc., whose political, economic, and or religious objectives may be malignant. Folks, you know, I had worked in the, uh, the acting industry for a long time in, in theater, and I love it. Don't get me wrong, some beautiful things. But you can portray on camera on film, all on the, something completely different from what the truth is. Something completely different from what the reality is. They can make you think a, a certain way. That's why you have to connect to your own conscience, to think for yourselves. It remains your highest moral duty to question always, why are we doing what we are doing? And hold a vigilance to the truth at all times. 
as best you can, knowing you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to think something's the truth and it turns out to be not the truth. And you've got to have the humility to be able to say, Phew. but keep the truth a lamp that lights you out of the darkness. Otherwise, you might become inadvertently instruments of something dark and sinister. Now, what processes go on in an individual who uh, engages or experiences uh, evil acts? Again, I want to say this. Evil begins with a lie. Jesus talked about this in, in the Bible. The, the father of lies, Satan. All right? It always it's an, it's begins with a lie. And in war, that is more clearly understood. That's why it's important for us to examine that and study it and talk about it. The lie originates when we make that human being an other. An other. Not a person with feelings or family or a home, but something foreign, something alien, something, a disease infecting the society. Oh, there's a Republican. Oh, there's a Democrat. Oh, they're both evil. I've been hearing a lot of that. They are not us. There's a woman named uh, Slavenka Draculek. She wrote a book called The Balkan Express. And it was about what was going on in the Balkans during the Balkan War. And she identifies this recategorization of individuals as the central precipitating factor that led to the genocide of the European Jews in World War II. And this is what she writes. I understand now that nothing but this otherness killed the Jews. And it began with naming them by reducing them to the other. Then everything became possible. Even the worst atrocities like concentration camps or the slaughtering of civilians in Croatia or Bosnia. For Serbians, as for Germans, they are all others, not us. Folks, the moment we label someone as other or not us, a Jew, a Croat, a Jap, a Nazi, etc., we open the door for the most heinous atrocities to be committed. Moral collapse of a society becomes inevitable. And friendships, family relationships, and the amicable relations between neighbors dissolves into a passionate antipathy because of the belief you are not with us. Evil acts are justified to rid the society of this malignant infestation. And the human imagination has no bounds when it comes to inflicting the most egregious abominations on these others. Slaughters, bloodshed, human atrocities beyond the pale. And they become the norm.
And war gives you no choice. Human beings are forced to accept the reality of death that mangles their lives, that impregnates their dreams with dismembered bodies, steals away their future, and destroys their past. Horrors occupy center stage, and it's caked in blood and gore. The per perpetrators cry out for more and more. It's like you're insatiable. You can't get enough. And then the victims uh, shrink away of what humankind is capable of doing. And Draculic describes this even more, um, reacting to a photograph of a family that had been murdered and a young boy whose brains had been spilled out onto the grass. The naked brain crushes, she says obliterates us, pulls us down into the darkness, takes away our right to speak about love, morality, ideas, politics, to speak at all. In the face of the picture of a naked brain, all human values are simply reduced to nothing. That's not the worst evil. The worst evil, next to it, well, let me start saying this. Once you cross that line, it gets very easy to cross all kinds of other lines. The hardest thing to do is to kill a man or a woman. It's the hardest thing. But once you've crossed that line, it becomes easier and it's a lot harder to come back. Now, in the 20th century, one of the uh, biggest evils that was ever uh, created uh, and more diabolical than anything that humankind had ever experienced, and that was the systematic extermination of the Jewish people. It inaugurated the age of bureaucratic, institutionalized mass murder, where a criminal state enacted laws legalizing genocide and massacre. Now, the methods of the Nazi machinery had been planned and perfected in all its details long before the horror of war struck Germany itself. And its intricate bureaucracy functioned with the same unwavering precision in the years of easy victory as in those last years of predictable defeat. And in this bureaucratic system, the laws of morality have been turned upside down. <laughs> What does that mean? That means that goodness was made into an enticement to be resisted. In fact, evil in the Third Reich had lost a quality by which most people recognize it. How do we recognize evil? By the quality of temptation. The very dictates of conscience. That's which tells us an individual... What is right? What is wrong? We're subjugated under a new world order that demanded unquestioning obedience, blind allegiance, and unwavering loyalty. The Nazis had systematically stripped a human being of their inalienable right to think for themselves. In Hannah Arendt's book, um, it's a watershed book, I recommend reading it. It's called Eichmann in Jerusalem. 
uh, were presented with this new face of evil. And what stood out about Adolf Eichmann? He's an ordinary man. But he had shipped millions of men, women, and children to their deaths. And what was unique about him was his lack of motives. He, he wasn't scary. He seemed normal and rational. Absent in his character were the qualities of wickedness or hatred. It's what you would expect from somebody who was menacing and, and, and dark. He had no convictions or intentions. He was, he, in essence, he was a nobody. That Eichmann had merely followed the orders that he was taken, he had taken an oath to fulfill. And he adamantly, during the trial, he adamantly denied having exterminated the Jews. Adamantly. Eichmann transported people from point A to point B. That was his job. Didn't matter that he was transporting them from their towns in Europe to the concentration camps where they were going to be killed. That, did, that was his job, point A to point B. And what happened to the Jews afterwards was not his responsibility. Therefore, he had no remorse for his acts and no personal accountability for the destruction of millions of lives. To Eichmann, there was nothing to forgive or condemn in his eyes. And he believed it. He was innocent. <laughs> Far from being innocent, uh, Eichmann, will dis we discover, what do we discover with Eichmann? We discover a crystalline form of pure wickedness, which Hannah Arendt called and termed the banality of evil. And what we've been talking about today um, and through this whole examination of the nature of evil, because we have to understand it in ourselves. We have to. What stands out in people like Eichmann and many others who participate in bureaucratic mass murder is this inability to think for themselves. Arendt noticed this thought-denying phenomenon as she described it while watching Eichmann speak. And she says, the longer one listened to him, the more obvious it became that his inability to speak was closely connected with an inability to think. Namely, to think from the standpoint of someone else. So what do we conclude from this? If you cannot think for yourself, if you are unable to distinguish right from wrong, if you cannot empathize with another's pain, if you are merely a functioning cog in an administrative machine or killing machine or institution in which the guilt of the crime is dispersed throughout so that all share in it but none are able to feel it, then evil, when it is unleashed, is pure wickedness. It's the rule of nobody, which is what a, bureauc a bureaucracy truly is. It's, it's, the, it's a greatest, one of the greatest threats to humanity, if not the greatest, because a bureaucracy has no soul. There's no soul in a bureaucracy. Where is it? 
Human beings, though, they surrender their souls to the machine when they no longer can think independently for themselves. And that's the key, is you've got to think for themselves. And unfortunately, when we abrogate our moral obligations to humankind and instead swear allegiance to a system, to political parties, to uh, any kind of institutions, we lose our individual capacity to feel, to empathize, or commiserate with the other. And then we can't listen anymore. We don't hear each other. We have two different realities. And at some point, it's going to break. It has to. And then death becomes nothing more than a statistic because the dignity of human life is reduced to a number recorded on a piece of paper and filed away into the archives. Who then is responsible, ultimately? Who's re you know, are we responsible? We're all responsible. I'm going to close out with some things to help you who are tuning in to today to help you to make sure that you're in alignment. Okay? But who is ultimately responsible when these things happen? Um, because it's committed in mass, uh, many stains, uh, many are stained by the actual deeds and uh, both victims and perpetrators. Uh, but I agree with uh, Anna Parent that, in general, the degree of responsibility increases as we draw further away from the man who uses the, the fatal instruments with his own hands. So how do we navigate it? How do we navigate through this time? How do we understand? Well, one of the things that you've got to know about your own soul is that it's a truth-seeking missile. It, that's the nature of the soul, is to seek it. You're seeking that truth. You want to know it. That's why we, we crave it. We crave justice. We crave speaking the truth. We crave it. We want what we say to be, and, and we're a vessel of truth, and hearing truth is, is, is health serum to us. And we need to repeat that, and, and uh, deception imprisons us. Lies imprison us. We don't understand the damage that it does. Being in an atmosphere of deception and lies and evil, the walls close in on us. They just do. You'll become sick when you deceive yourselves. We all do. We become sick. And uh, we can poison ourselves and we can be poisoned. So, what can you do? How can you help yourself? How can you get to the point where you are your soul is going to be designed to keep you healthy? All right, it just is. It's just going to, it's going to seek those things. And one of the things that you must do, and, and it's so important, is that you speak the truth as best you can each and every moment of every day. And you make a commitment to do that. Because the truth speaks quietly. Lies are really loud. Lies will, 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 will they has, lies has a 10,000 different ways to, to draw attention. While the truth only has one. It only has one. Stop creating excuses in your life. Because excuses are poison. All right? 
we don't realize that the choices we make can make us very toxic. And so we have to be able to choose in a way that says, I'm not going to allow my soul to be turned into an instrument uh, to be used by other people. And you can sense it when that's happening. You can sense it. But you've got to be in tune. You've got to uh, make a commitment to yourself to say, and then I, you know, I, I understand that lies, when I'm perpetuating, when I'm speaking lies, uh, I'm, I'm adding to the collective disinformation that's adding to the world. That's what I can control. I can control that. I can control speaking the truth at all times. That's what I can control. And that's what you can control. You don't stay weak. You don't want to stay weak and 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 uh, you know, um, and not being able to to say things. You know because we when we make dark choices, choices that we know are that go against our conscience, and we've all done it. Uh, not to change that course, we stay weak, and uh, we will find ways to be able to stay weak by blaming by uh, you know, something happened in our childhood, something happened in, in our relationships, something happened with our family. We blame everybody. And, and for a time, that may be what you need, but you want to become a whole person. You want to become strong. You want to become a solid, you know, recognizing that you are in control of your soul. You are. Not somebody else. Not another organization. You are. Don't let anybody manipulate you. And you feel that little twang in your soul and your gut or anything like that. That's an indication that that needs to be looked at truthfully. When the soul's disrupted because you've made so many dark choices, you, um, by habit, by lifestyle, by, cho- you know, by deferring to somebody else because it's too difficult to do it on your own, uh, what happens is, is that you can't hear your intuition anymore. You can't hear the voice of your conscience anymore because it's been drowned out by the voices in the world that are praying, that are trying to get to recruit your will to own it. And so, you know, I mean, your, your, your soul or your, is going to be telling you, your intuition, your voice of your conscience is going to say, what are you doing? This is wrong. Get out of here. Stop doing this. Don't lie to this person. Don't steal from this person. Don't cheat. Don't, you, you already know. But if, you don't, if you're making dark choices and you've got to become, you can't hear that anymore. You can't hear it. And you're, then what ends up happening is, is you start to retreat into these mental narratives that tell you that you have to do this. Why? Because this person did this to me, or they're no good, or they're a Republican, or they're a Democrat, or they're this. It's not okay. We got to recognize that it's okay to think differently. But what ends up happening is the mind will go to work to, do the, to, to counteract 
our intuitive system to present an argument to us to the point where we, it will send us into delusions, into madness, into paranoia, absolute madness, insanity, to counteract that interior voice, your conscience that says, that has the knowledge that you were born with, that says, you know, this is, this is, what are we doing? This is wrong. Isn't that right? So don't argue with me anymore. Your soul is going to be relentless, so don't negotiate with it. Connect to that thread. Connect to that thing. Recognize that you will never heal if you perpetuate lies. You never will. Lies have to be defended. The truth never does. Why? Because it's the truth. And when you hear it, when we've heard someone speak the truth, like Jesus, like Buddha, like others who have, Mother Teresa, others that, Nelson Mandela, people who were really, came from, it's powerful. It, it's calming. You, re, you, you respond in a way that you're no longer afraid. You feel good inside. Not from taking something, it's from the inside. We're in an, an extraordinary time. We're in a very paradoxical time. A lot of forces aligned against us. But there's also a lot of forces that are aligned for us. That are aligned with us. We just have to invite them in. We have to invite our better nature. We have to invite those who, um, who can help us on the other side to say, you know, I need some help right now. I, I, I can't see clearly through this. I just had a terrible argument with my mother and my father and my brother and my sisters, my best friend, my wife, my husband. My, I, and, you know, maybe I'm seeing something how can I see this more clearly? How can I see this so that I don't destroy the love that I have for them? That I don't allow the, the forces that are trying to pull us apart to pull us apart. And that's every person, every individual through doing that to the best you can. Becoming a conscious person is not an easy thing. It's, it's, it's no small business. It's actually really hard. Okay, and anybody who tells you differently, they're not, <laughs> they're lying to you. But if we want to create a better world for all of us, then we got to start, start with ourselves and getting in alignment and recognizing the goodness that lives within but also the evil that can be there if we don't pay attention. Well, folks, I think that uh, <clears throat> the next few months we really need to, to band together. 
and to, uh, to start listening to one another. Um, we can either inaugurate a time in our life where all of us get to participate in the American dream. And a new frontier, a new beginning, a, a, a transform. And we all have to go through this. All civilizations have these big transformations. They do. Sometimes they make it, and it's, it leads to an even more prosperous future. Sometimes they don't. It depends on how each individual in that society handles their tests. And... And how we handle that is going to be dependent upon how we're connected to our conscience. Do what's right. Treat others with respect. Live with integrity. Be kind. Be kind and merciful. Show mercy. Show consideration and, and, and love for one another. Uh, recognize it's okay to think differently. But think, and be sure to think for yourself. Don't let anybody take that away from you. That's your God-given right. It's an inalienable right to think for yourself. Verify, validate all that is being said to you from multiple sources, credible sources. It's really important at this time. Okay, folks, uh, we are out of time. I um, can't believe it. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, KUHS Denver TV, Radio Denver here, the stream. I want to thank all of the Henry and everybody working in the back that allows this, to, this, this program and this station to exist and to continue to provide you with some of the best shows and entertainment and music that is out there. KUHS, we're broadcasting live here in Denver, Colorado, and all across the nation, all across the world, reaching a worldwide audience that continues to grow all the time. Uh, we thank you here on the council for tuning in with us um, when we're on, and, and we've just started our new season, so we've got a lot of great people that we're coming up in the next month and, and so I look forward to talking with you all again very very soon council is adjourned may you all be well may you all be free of pain and suffering and may you all be whole God bless everyone happy Thanksgiving we'll see you in two weeks <laughs>